Hi, it's Ian Broder here. Welcome to the More Clients Podcast. With me today is Eric Quanstrom, the Chief Marketing Officer of Nimble.com, who are a, one of the new breed of social CRM systems. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hey, Ian. Pleasure to chat this morning. Excellent. So, Eric, I want to jump straight in by asking you to kind of explain for listeners not already familiar with the term what exactly a social CRM system is and how it's different to traditional CRM. Sure. So I think we need to start by defining terms. CRM is customer relationship management. And the ability to add a social ability to interact with your customers and manage relationships, the RM part, if you will, where those customers already are across various social networks. I view the social CRM as a very pragmatic way to interact with people in a changing world. Um, Conversations are happening everywhere, and the point is to facilitate a conversation, a dialogue, if you will, using social means or tools as a part of your story. Okay, so um, with a traditional CRM, what you're doing is you're essentially kind of logging the interactions you have with clients through your normal marketing channel. With a social CRM, you get visibility into, into the social channels that your clients, your customers, or prospects are actually using. So you get increased visibility. And because it's the social channels they're using, I guess that means it's the stuff that's important to them and that they're engaged in, as opposed to just the official channels that they might be communicating with you through. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the, the key here is really tapping into, again, affinity groups, conversations that are already happening, um, people's normal way of behaving, um, and becoming part of that conversation. And so um, when you look at the, the kind of extras that, that social CRM gives you and this ability to tap into those conversations, how does that turn into, into kind of benefits uh, for a business who might be using a social CRM like Nimble? Sure. So, you know, we see ourselves as being different from traditional CRM, and, and the different is the exciting part. Um, because, again, the amount of data, the amount of information, and the amount of, again, not to overuse this word, conversations that are taking part in the digital media landscape that you can be a part of today is greater than it ever has been before. And more importantly, the the kinds of people that you want to attract and the kinds of um, stories you want to tell as a business, um, all of that and tracking all of that and interacting, you really need the right tool for the job. We see Nimble as being a very well-suited tool for anyone who's interested in social CRM and really building a relationship that matters with their customers. So, you know, the majority of the conversations that we're talking about all start digitally, and they tilt in and around keywords or topics of interest. So, for instance, if you're a mortgage broker, those conversations will be a lot different than if you're a technology product salesman. Each industry and vertical have their own groupings and trigger words and buying signals. What's really different now is the ability to develop um, and really hone your listening and to be able to engage effectively and intelligently. So where before, when a salesman was much more one-way focused, they were focused on a geographical region and calling down a list (laughs) that was, you know, alphabetical, numerical, clerical, cynical, (laughs) and blasting the prospect with information about his or her product or service, I think that game's changing to reflect that any salesperson would be much better suited to spend their time informing themselves about the kinds of people that they need to meet, prospects, if you will, 
and then truly going about the business of learning who they are, what are what may be important to them, and building a, an authentic relationship. That's if they want them to buy, of course. <laughs> that might be useful, yeah. So, so it's changing from, I guess, as you were describing there, traditional sales would be is kind of outbound, here are my messages. Traditional CRM is when the customer eventually contacts you, that may be when they make a sales inquiry, where, or when a salesperson logs a call that they made with a made with a customer, or when a customer makes a support inquiry or whatever. You're logging those formal communications with social CRM. You're listening a lot more, getting involved in conversations a lot more about what the, your clients, your prospects are actually really interested in, rather than just you sending your messages out. And as a result. I guess that means the business, the individual, the salesperson, whoever it may might be that might be using it, is kind of much more engaged with the customer in, in kind of building a relationship as opposed to kind of just selling to them. Yeah, that's so true. And, and I think that those inflection points, if you will, where sales enters the conversation um, hasn't necessarily changed. You know, when, when you get a lead off of a website, I think that, and it's passed down the channel to, to sales, it's still important from a qualification process and an understanding of that prospect um, to do a little bit of homework, to do a little bit of research. And when you know you have a tool like Nimble that basically puts all of their information and all of their social channels up for you to digest um, in seconds as opposed to arduous amounts of research, I'm not talking about writing a master's thesis here, you can be a lot more informed with your conversations. Um, and this information will allow you to get to your phases of engagement much quicker. It actually seems counterintuitive, but it's so true that the more you know about somebody, the more you can lead conversations and really your own where you fit as a business into um, position much more effectively because you'll understand that person at a deeper level and be able to hit trigger points and read the situation. Again, all of this breaks back to the fact that, you know, in the hands of a skilled salesperson, adept tools make them brilliant. In the hands of a poor salesperson, the best tool in the world isn't going to make them any better. You know, you've got to be able to read cues and insert yourself intelligently. And I think that goes without saying, but that's where training and, again, proper mindset and tools all play an invaluable role. You know, I, actually, I do, I, I, I do think it's worth saying, actually, Eric, because I remember when a lot of, not, not social CRMs, but when a lot of early kind of automation tools for Twitter came out, like listening tools, what you would hear people advising would be, um, you know, uh, oh, with this, with this tool, you can listen for conversations on Twitter. So if someone says, if someone is tweets a, a, a link that um, I'm looking for a plumber and you're a plumber, you can suddenly send them kind of messages and I did find that happening a few years ago. I, I, I remember, and, and it, because it wasn't used intelligently, it, it got it became like spam. It became like automated spam. So I would, you know, almost just to, to use an exaggerated example, I would let's say I would tweet out a link saying I hate PCs, 
um, because I'm a Mac user, um, all of a sudden I'd get five tweets coming back from companies selling PCs saying, do you want the latest PC deals? And, and, the, <laughs> and that, that, that's a slight exaggeration, but that's the sort of thing that was happening. Uh, you know, whenever you, you, you put a, key, a keyword went into Twitter, um, one of these tools would, would highlight it and send you an automated tweet back, usually completely out of context and getting it completely wrong. So as you're saying, the intelligent use of the tools is what's critical, um, especially as you get into higher end sales. You know, this isn't, you know, I, I need a plumber or oh, here's a plumber sort of stuff. This is getting it in early on the conversation to understand what your customers are looking for and what they need and to begin a relationship with them um, rather than to do, do a kind of quick sale. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, your example is telling, which is the people that are looking for a shotgun wedding, you know, where they basically jump to the finish <clears throat> immediately are always going to be looking for those kinds of shortcuts. And frankly, that is indicative of the kinds of people and mindsets that they have and the kind of results that they won't achieve, right? I think that there's, just think about, in a sense, the golden rule, right? Um, Treat those as as you wish to be treated yourself. You know, I think elevating that rule to what I've heard called the platinum rule, treat people as they would want to be treated, is actually even more (laughs) enlightened um, as a perspective. And it really does break back to sales, marketing, and business development because ultimately, if you think about everyone's got their own buying patterns, everyone's got their own, you know, kind of side of the story, their own budget, their own authority, their own um, criteria for making a purchase decision about any product or service, even if it's a quick half-second deliberation on which peanut butter to buy. The point is that being involved in that awareness cycle, being involved in that conversation, and having the ability to influence that behavior is so much more critical than saying, someone's talking about plumbing now on Twitter. I must go talk to them and force my services upon them. That's shouting that's yeah. not a conversation. That's not even understanding or bothering to understand why they would be taking to Twitter to discuss their plumbing needs in the first place. Yeah, so if you're doing it more intelligently, you, you, you might um, tweet them and ask them a question, or you might send them to an article on you know, how to decide what you're looking for in plumbing, or you know, something that's useful for them in that phase of their buying process, as opposed to jumping straight to the closing, um, which is... Well, this is, this is a key facet of any sales process, right? It's, it's, do I believe in abundance or do I believe in scarcity, right? Do I, do I think that what I have to sell is meaningful and ultimately people will find that meaning if I can educate and raise awareness effectively? Or do I believe that, you know, frankly, my job's on the line and I've really got to meet my quota and frankly, I'm going to just jam through as many cold calls as possible to get to as many people as possible, and it's a numbers game. And frankly, you know, the more I can force the situation, the better off I'll be. Yeah, because I better, I better close them now, because if they had a chance to look at any other plumbers, they wouldn't hire me sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the, the latter is, frankly, going the way of the square wheel or the dinosaur, because mm. people don't have time for it, and they won't put up with it anymore. 
actually talking about the time I think that's an interesting um, angle also from the the salesperson or the professional's perspective a lot of you know people listening to this podcast um, won't be professional salespeople they'll be consultants or coaches or lawyers but who of course nonetheless have to to sell and to build relationships with potential clients and because it's not their main job they're going to be challenged for time I think that's where again social CRM helps um, you know I'm fairly new to social CRM but that one of the the biggest benefits I'm seeing from it is just as a time saver because you know when social media first came in you know you've got all the questions about how could it be used does it really benefit business and then you begin to see some patterns emerging and one of the patterns I think that emerged um, was I, I, I kind of called it when I first saw it social stalking which is really <laughs> where where you know, traditionally, if you're, you mentioned this kind of strategy back back at the start. If you're a, a traditional business developer, what you'll do is you'll get your prospect list, and then you'll try and communicate with them with with them over time. You maybe meet them at a networking event, and you follow up by sending them useful information. But it often is very much one way because the only feedback you got from them was initially when you had a chat with them, or they might, you know, they might email you back if you send something by email saying I'm not interested in this, or yes, that was interested, which interesting, which kind of tells you what the you know what they might value um, when social media comes along and it, um, you can begin to tap into conversations and you can actually see what people find interesting and one of the illuminating um, times I had with social media was was hooking up with the local managing partner of a law firm on Twitter and just noticing the the, 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 the variety of things he tweeted about and and realizing that when I met him my original idea and a lot of people still think this way is you get much richer relationships face to face. But actually, face-to-face, -face, I didn't know much about him. By watching what he did on Twitter, I learned what his favorite football team was, what type of food he likes, the fact he really does like wine, where he goes on holiday, um, <laughs> and all these different things about him I now know, and I can connect with him on that front. So there's a whole load more information you've got, and of course a lot more business information as well. You know, Some of his tweets are more business-related to useful articles that I can comment on and tweet back to him on. But so you go from this phase of not knowing anything and the, and the world's quite simple when you don't know anything you just send people use things things you think might be useful but then when you know a lot more suddenly it becomes overwhelming what on earth am i going to tweet to him about and that he's just one guy how can i keep track of the of the 20 or 30 guys or the 40 or 50 guys and girls that are that I are my prospects and and they, so maybe I make a Twitter list for that but then how do I get what's happening on LinkedIn and what if they're on Facebook and and that that's where for me when I I, I was beginning to do that but getting a bit overwhelmed by it and that's where when uh, I, I think I, I'm sure I stumbled on Nimble um, I think I stumbled on you guys um, by accident um, a, a guy I was working with who'd done some work with me on LinkedIn mentioned you and he, he said he was using you to um, to help manage LinkedIn groups he was running and, and so I took a look and then all of a sudden you just put the contact in and it's collecting all the social media profiles in one place and that just makes life an awful lot easier so it really is surprising how much more action you can take and the better results you can get just from having information in one place I mean have you so that, that's my kind of, I guess, spiel about what I find useful about social CRM. From your well, perspective, you know, Ian, there, there are no accidents. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be. All right, that must be it. That must be it. <laughs> but for, from your perspective, with other other customers, though, what, what other things have you seen people are getting from social CRM? Obviously, we talk, mm -hmm. just talked about the 
the the fact you can save time and see and see all the social interactions of your target customers and your current customers means you're actually likely to do something with it as opposed to not. What else are you seeing from from people using social CRM? What are they doing with it? Well, you know, picking up on the theme that we talked about earlier and doing things differently, I think that you know a lot of Nimble users are almost forced to operate differently. Um, you know, and the reason is simple because when you look at a contact record in Nimble as your CRM, you automatically see all of that contact social information right there. Um, you see what's occupying their mind and on social streams right there. Uh, you see what they're sharing right there. You can interact across any channel, um, any medium, any modality right there. So just, I can't, just, just to interrupt for a second, so there you're saying you can... You, you watch what they're doing from the one screen and you can actually reply on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Or um, email without, or have you know, a call and log call notes. And yeah, that's all, all without, right having, it's, well, without having to log into Twitter, without having to log into email or anything. It's all in the same place. Yeah, and, and I can't tell you how many Nimble users have told me that they learn which communication channel suits a specific contact best. Right. You know, this guy always responds fastest to a Twitter direct message. This woman checks her email every minute. Um, he's easiest to reach through Facebook, while contacts like her start best on LinkedIn. Mm. And this particular guy always just wants to talk on the phone. It's this sort of agile, personal communication style that's inherent to being a good communicator, let alone a talented salesperson. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting, and you know, there's discussion maybe longer than we have here today, is switching streams effectively. So where you can transition relationships across various social networks with different meanings attached to them and interaction styles uh, effectively. So this would be your example of meeting somebody at a conference, but then perhaps following up with them on Twitter, moving that relationship through LinkedIn, ultimately bouncing it to Facebook at some point, or, you know, again, another face-to-face -face meeting after a phone call or two. You know, that, I think that's quite important, actually, because it... It's just striking me something something I've, I've recognised for quite a while is that, as you were saying there, you meet you meet someone at a conference. Um, often you may just have you know shaken hands, introduced yourself, maybe swap business cards, and just said a few words. They're not then ready for a you know a follow up meeting. This was the you know this this was the traditional method of networking that I think many of us were taught. You meet someone at networking. If they look interesting, you arrange a follow up coffee. Um, but the truth is that these days people are too busy for kind of random follow-up meetings with people where they're not really sure what the outcome is. It just doesn't happen so often. You don't have these meetings on the off chance. Um, and that, uh, for a while, is leaving people a bit in the lost in the, okay, well, I can't get these follow-up meetings or very few of them. Um, what do I do? I, I, all I know about this person is I've got their business card. I can't keep phoning them and saying, are you ready for a meeting yet? But uh, as you say, if you, it, it's not a big step to hook up with them on LinkedIn, they're, they're probably going to say yes to that. They're certainly, you know, okay to follow them on Twitter because they, they don't have to say yes to that at all. Um, and you can watch what they're doing and maybe retweet one of their tweets. And then, uh, in fact, that was one of my very early introductions to the power of something like Twitter. Was was a couple of years ago. Um, I, um, I, I have a, a, a there's a kind of friend of mine in the US who's a who's a well known author. Um, and I retweeted one of his um, one of his articles, and somebody else retweeted one of his articles, and it turned out that the guy doing the retweeting was the chief marketing officer of a very big consulting firm. Uh, you know, could be a potential client. So because of that kind of retweeting, and now that's an easy con connection to make. I I kind of re retweeted his tweet, 
um, and and at messaged him and said, hey, I noticed you like so and so, so and so, um, and we got chatting on Twitter. Now, if I tried cold calling him or writing a letter or whatever, he'd have completely ignored it. But you yeah. know, it was it was an easy thing for him to do. Just to, and he noticed because he could see that I'd um, retweeted the same guy. That he actually replied to me. Now, as it happened, um, by accident, we ended up arranging a meeting because I, I he asked me something like, you know, how do you know Ford? And I'd said, um, oh, um, you know, we, we've um, we've swapped emails and phone calls. Um, I must have a meeting. We, I must set up a meeting when, when I'm next in the U.S. Meaning with our common connection, but this guy took it to mean with him, and he actually said, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, we're on the East Coast. Call me any time." And it's like, "Oh, hang on. There's just no way I would have got to that through right. um, through traditional methods." And and it's kind of, I think it's it's almost like initial meeting gets you gets your foot in the door. Um, a, a, a full then follow up meeting is a very big step, and some of these social media interactions give you little baby steps that, that, that let you get on the way um, to getting the, the full follow-up of actually having a proper face-to-face meeting about something that you would never get to if you didn't have those interim baby steps. Well, because you're finding common ground. I mean, I think that's the real secret to that story, which is, you know, you guys have a, a mutual shared interest. You're part of an affinity group, which yeah. is th- this book um, that, that ultimately you both wanted to promote and amplify and you're both engaged in that common goal. And I think that that, that common ground is really the basis of, of most sales relationships, right? Where you're establishing rapport and you know, you're getting to essentially a, a mutually shared uh, destination of some sorts. That's right. And because, because you've got access to more information now, you can, you find, there's more things to have common ground about. I guess like my, my, the, the law firm partner... We have common ground in terms of well, we don't have common ground in terms of the football team we support. Although we both, I guess, have common ground that neither of our teams are doing very well. Um, <laughs> we, we have common ground in terms of the kind of music we like. I noticed that. For, so you, there's just no way I would have got that in other ways. So, so you, the listening element of uh, of social media allows you to find common ground. It gives you a communication channel where you can communicate them within a kind of low risk way. You know, if I, you know, finding out that someone likes the same music as you is not good enough cause for you to phone them up and, no, <laughs> and have a meeting. But it certainly is something you could maybe um, tweet to them about, and then the relationship kind of builds from there. Um, but again, the, 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 going back to the, the kind of value of a social CRM, the fact it's all gathered together and made easy for you means you do it, and you can do it for a significant number of people, as opposed to it taking hours to do. That's one of the. I know people who who you know were early into using social media for business development, and to be frank, someone some of them spent hours a day doing it to the degree to which you began to think whether really the return on investment was there because they were spending all of their time just doing the mechanics on the system of keeping in touch with different people and logging onto a different system and looking at something else. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because one of the things that we've done with Nimble is created a section in our tool called Signals. <laughs> mainly, be- And we named it that mainly because pulling signal from noise, and frankly there's a lot of noise on social media, is a valuable activity. You know, a lot of people see social networks as just an aggregation of people just shouting out in the world. Um, we, we don't. 
You know, Nimble, we don't see it that way. We see the ability to listen, engage, and nurture, connecting people as the core. And going forward, the ability to, to pluck people out of the social river, so to speak, as it's going by, um, you know, to find, again, those like-minded individuals and then begin to engage and nurture with them effectively is, frankly, the new way of looking at leads. You know, rather than being handed a lead list or, you know, buying a list or doing any of the kind of nefarious activities that salespeople have done throughout the history of time, um, you know, I look at people on social networks interacting or sharing their like-minded affinities as being a perfectly uh, reasonable place to start uh, looking for other like-minded individuals. And that involves you knowing your own product, your own service, your own trigger words, your own environment and what your customers um, look like and what their needs are very well. I suppose that's a bit like the change, if you think about the change in advertising we had when Google came along, that instead of just trying to, to figure out, well, the people most likely to want my products are you know, those who are between these ages and uh, live in this geography and so we'll advertise there. You could actually advertise with Google AdWords for the people who had looked for a specific thing based on what they were searching for. And I guess what you're seeing here is similar with, with social media, with, with this kind of filtering and, uh, and um, trying to pull signals out. Instead of trying to connect with people en masse, um, but just going by their demographics, for example, and hoping you'll get to the right people because there are more of the sort of prospects that I want within this demographic, within this industry, within this size of company, you can try and pull out the, the indicators that say they really are a good potential client for you because of their affinity, because of what they're talking about, because of what they're interested in. That's exactly right. And I think that you know the, the Google phenomenon of, of AdWords is probably one of the least talked about massive behavioral shifts in our, you know, worldwide in all cultures over the last two decades. If you think about the way that people are purposeful in their intent arranged around simple keyword queries that tilt on a kind of a hub and spoke system. The hub being, I have a need and I'm going to formulate that need into a series of keywords or a phrase and then I'm going to go down spokes until my need is met. Mm. Spokes being the links that I click on, whether they be advertisements, organic search, or various sites. Um, as I find myself becoming blocked down a spoke, I return to the hub and potentially change that hub, change the search terms around, and go down a different spoke. That behavior is so well ingrained in people now that it, it filters over into a lot of the other digital realms, including social media. So this is where you get purposeful, intentional behavior, especially around the use of hashtags or ways to group things that I'm talking about for people to find me or amplification effects. So we're kind of it's becoming a kind of keyword world, as it were. It, the, the, the keyword searching from keywords from search are kind of affecting our behavior so certainly the way the way we search for things now as opposed to wait for things you know people having to contact us to tell us about things is changing our attitudes to, to marketing across you know offline online everywhere it's not a surprise it's continuing on into social media as well it absolutely is and, and I think that that keyword world that we all live in is 
either well understood and taken advantage of by a given business or it's poorly understood and you know kind of the world passes you by so talking about that kind of world view um, what's your view on kind of the future of CRM? So at the minute we've got social signals and tracking and visibility coming into CRM through social CRM. Are there any, you know, what do you think is the next step after this? Well, I think the next step is really making sense of all of this data that we have. You may hear the terms big data mm. out there, but it's really t- nimble where we've aggregated together all of your, your email, your calendar, all of your contacts, your social networks, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, Foursquare, in one place so that we can draw correlations for you. So we can recommend people that you should be talking to, and then we can help you stay in touch with them. You know, we have uh, a new feature that we just rolled out called Stay in Touch Reminders, where you set a parameter, hey, I never want to lose touch or have a, a quarter go by that I don't touch base with Ian Brody. You know what? After that 90th day, Nimble's going to remind you, hey, you haven't touched Ian. Why? Oh, it's monitoring your emails and is it, is it monitoring things like Twitter as well and things? You or? bet. Any communication channel you would use so that, again, staying top of mind becomes, you know, the way I look at it is it's a lot like um, people's relationship with fitness. In January, everybody wants to get fit. They go join a gym. They're really serious about it. They feel they want to feel good. And, uh, and it's all great. But by June, you know, and summer coming on, people lose interest. It's hard to get to the gym. I've got a million other commitments. It's that follow-up and follow-through that is so hard. And I think that that's where tools like Nimble can really make the difference. Where as, uh, as your second brain, as a way to always remember the things that, you know, you would have a million to-do lists elsewhere if we can make it drop dead simple and we can be the ones keeping kind of account, it'll, it frees up your mind for so many other things. Um, and it frees up your mind for that kind of serendipitous, hey Ian, you know what, we hadn't talked for a few days and, and here's something that I noticed that you've been talking about recently that really has me uh, interested. That's a great conversation to have. So, so kind of the next wave is, is the CRM system since it now knows everything about your contacts, prospects, etc., and who you're looking for, is to begin doing things for you, as opposed to you having to do everything yourself. It's suggesting things. It's reminding you. It's it, it's. Um, it, I hate to use phrases like artificial intelligence, but it's kind of it's a kind of enhancement of uh, of what of what you what you would be doing yourself. Yeah, we like the term insights because providing people an insight into you know, when you should be communicating with somebody, how you should communicate with them, who you should be communicating with, that really to us is the future of CRM and really business in general. Uh, Because, again, being more efficient processors, being able to handle, you know, ever-growing contact networks in a noisy world is a problem that isn't going away. Mm. <laughs> it's not getting any easier. That's right. Uh, the, uh, the be- the, in a way, the better the tools we get to handle our existing network means we've got to manage a wider network. Yeah, indefinitely. But that, that's actually more enjoyable because you can find yourself in a variety of different situations and you're exposed to, and to use a scientific term, stimuli mm. in a way that I think can make you more productive and more happy as an individual. And, and I guess that's also, you know, from a competitive perspective, if you can, with your currently, you know, your 
we look back at the way people wouldn't say manage a network manually if you can manage a 50 person Condite network but a competitor of yours can manage a 100 person Condite network because he's enhancing his capabilities with with tools then obviously he's got twice as much chance of getting a getting getting a client as you even if and and then if you kind of work the numbers even if um, by doing it using tools etc he's only 80% as effective as if he gave it his whole personal attention 80% of of 100 is more than 100% of 50 um, so, right. so he's he's got an edge he's got an edge yeah and I, and I think that that is a perfect way of of looking at kind of the new numbers game where again it's not just a shotgun through as large numbers as you have hours in the day but it's having meaningful efficient um, intelligent and effective communications with those 80 folks that you have on your radar. I suppose it's it's kind of a bit, a bit best of both worlds where if you look at traditional um, business development would be either shotgun, go for a thousand people but not really have any sort of relationship with them or it would be just focus on 10 and uh, and because you're doing it manually you get and you, and you get personally involved with all of them you have much deeper relationships with them and depending on the sector and the industry, some, some, sometimes one approach worked, sometimes the other approach worked. But if you're enhancing what you're doing with, with CRM tools, then you can get a bit, of, a bit of best of both worlds where you can manage a larger number. But still, because it's suggesting things to you and filtering out the noise, you can still dedicate a lot of your personal time to each individual. I could have put that better myself. Hey, I'm quite pleased with that now. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, thanks very much, Eric. That's been a real pleasure. Um, just uh, if people wanted to kind of find out more about Nimble, like, you know, get get an idea of the system, etc., get more of insights into social CRM, where should they go? They can go to www.nimble.com. And that'll that'll let them kind of uh, get a trial use of the, the system and stuff like that. Yeah, we offer a free trial on the service. Uh, there's plenty of information, videos, uh, other ways to learn about Nimble, all from the site. Excellent. Hey, been a real pleasure, Eric. Thank you very, very much. Ian, my pleasure. Thanks again.